Alright y'all come on in, take your shoes off, sit on down. Y'all listening to In the Corner, Back by the Woodpile. I'm Spun Counter Guy. Thanks for stopping by. My guest back by the woodpile today is Jason Hargrove, an artist based near the Paducah, Kentucky area, and one whose work you wouldn't necessarily have to visit a gallery to see. A majority of Jason Hargrove's art is displayed, mostly illegally, in public, in the form of small stickers and large wheat paste decals. And as you might expect, his art has a message or two located in between its shapes and colors. Jason and I had an art show gig together in Memphis, Tennessee, so on the car ride over, we chatted about his vision, life, and why there's so many nuclear overtones in his work. I don't know where I developed this as a child, but I think I've always been kind of paranoid of radiation. It's one of those freaky things that you just can't, you know, it's there. You know it's there. You can't see it. You can't smell it. You can't touch it. Well, I mean, you can touch it, but you, don't, you might not know you touched it. And it can hurt you, you know? It's like the, the boogeyman, or, but it's real, you right. know? And I've always been very conscious of that. I asked mom about that once. I think she blamed one particular teacher of mine that I must have latched on to one particular thing she was talking about in a, in a, about a health education or something like that. And well, then I gotta ask, because I know that you end up working at some facility where there was radiation. Oh yeah, so. <laughs> How does that work yeah, in your head? <laughs> I don't know, man. I didn't know what to expect when I got into the Air Force. I was a jet engine mechanic. I worked on an A-10 and B-52 bombers. I lived in Alaska for a while, working on A-10s in a back shop. But when I made it to uh, North Dakota, we worked on B-52s, and B-52s carry nuclear weapons. They taught me a lot about how to safely, you know, as far as you can safely be around nuclear weapons, and mm-hmm. but it's kind of like a, I didn't have a choice to. So I would say I became at that point comfortable but apprehensive. After being in the Air Force and uh, working around nukes, uh, I, I got out, went back to school for a little bit, and my wife was pregnant. Man, I could see this thing is going downhill, like financially, and I was looking for a way to support my family and support myself and my baby. So uh, an opportunity kind of popped up out of the Paducah gaseous fusion plant. There's a company out there at the time called USEC, United States Enrichment Corporation, where they, you know, they enriched uranium and uh, turned it into nuclear grade fuel. And many, many years ago, I knew people that worked out there and I I heard stories about what goes on out there. and What kind of stories? Like uh, people dying from cancers, <laughs> sure. uh, being contaminated. A lot of people just wouldn't talk about their jobs out there at all. You know, there's this big secrecy and hush-hush over it too. But everybody at that point knew about Barrel Mountain. You know, they, they dumped a bunch of barrels full of uh, oil and all kinds of other stuff that were contaminated and just let it pile up and rust and get into the groundwater. and. Where was this at? Uh, Paducah, Kentucky, okay. West Paducah, at the Paducah Gaseous Fusion Plant. I heard about some job offers out there. I, I realized that they paid pretty good. And instead of finishing out school, I thought this is probably the only way I'm gonna pull off this life I kind of envisioned with the family and 
supporting them and having health insurance. All that stuff sounded really good all of a sudden. Over 2,000 people applied. And I got a job out there as a cascade operator. When did you decide to start making that a theme in your art? Well, I, before I went out there, I think I was doing a lot of uh, abstract and you know, some more geometric kind of things, a lot of detailed pen and ink drawings, um, and Air Force related art. Like, I was drawing planes, I was drawing bombs, and, and stuff like that. Being out there, being in that environment, and hearing the stories from all these old people that worked out there about how the kind of the horrors that happened out there that not everybody knows about, like how some of these old people, I'm talking about 50s, 60s. The plant opened up in the 50s, uh, would come to work and they would go to eat lunch or something and they would have to wipe off maybe a half inch thick of dust off their tables to eat. Uh, not knowing what that dust was, they called it processed gas back then. A lot of people knew what it was, but a lot of people didn't. You know, they didn't care. They just knew that they were making a really good paycheck and that's the end of things. You know, it's all about, you know, securing the country and meeting the Russians. They're doing projects for others out there at the time, too, for like NASA. But there was this uh, enriching of uranium that was going on, and people were getting sick out there. They didn't give them, hand them out respirators and, you know, really take care of them like they should. Now, this is a private company that did contract work for the government? Yeah. yeah okay. There's a few different ones. Like, USEC's the last one that was out there doing the enrichment and then before that there was I think Lockheed Martin was out there at a point Union Carbide I think was the, the charge of it in the early years but with the 80s coming along and more government regulations coming out and um, workers you know health was a, a bigger deal at that point you know they, they did make a lot of changes out there but there was still a lot of bad things that even occurred after that. There's places where you can go on YouTube and see people who have had genetic deformities out there that odd bone growths in their back and whatever else. And you, you would hear about those people trying to be hushed up. My biggest thing right now is I know all that stuff occurred. I know that it, it got, when I was working out there, it was a whole lot better than it was back in the 50s. Being out there and being exposed to those stories, the environment, I realize that people around Paducah don't really, you know, they don't know a whole lot about the plant, at least at that point. Even though the information is available to them, they don't know all what happened out there. I was like, wouldn't it be interesting if people would be curious about what's going on in their environment? Because I feel like the more eyes that are on a company, the public, especially the people living around these areas, if they're involved with what's going on with these plants, I think the plants would take some more precautions be a little more careful about what they're doing maybe especially when it's a company you know their headquarters are in uh, Maryland or you know way off they're not here they're not suffering Joe Harding began losing weight within months of starting work at the Baduca plant and sores that would not heal crept up his legs and I said honey what's that on your ankles and uh, he said I guess it's that stuff that I'm waving in out there at the plant it's hexafluoride is what it was
explain your artwork to folks that can't see it. I use a lot of yellow and magenta in a lot of my stuff. That's like a, things that you would see in radiation boundaries, at least in the plant. If it's known to be a radioactive zone, you know not to walk into it. I make a lot of stickers, and I pass out a lot of stickers. As I was telling your wife earlier, I was we live in completely different counties in Kentucky, and I was at a railroad tracks with the school bus I drive, and I look over and there's one of your stickers, your art pieces, on the utility box. And I'm like, man, Jason Hargrove has been to my town. But well, I mean, it's not necessarily me, okay? <laughs> one of your fans. I, like, like I say, I pass out the stickers, I can't help where they go. But it's a signature thing. Like, I know like sometimes you have like hearts, but they also have the nuclear symbol kind of in the middle of it, or... Yeah. I gotta ask because do you consider yourself a street artist, so to speak, or a protest artist, or do you consider yourself anything? I think uh, I'm just somebody who wants to raise awareness. Okay. I, I, I would like to encourage people to look at their environment, see what kind of places they're living next to, and be concerned about their water, be concerned about what's going into the air. Unfortunately, companies will come in and they will take advantage of a population and they will leave. And they will leave you with a mess. I should point out, one of my pet peeves is that it's a collusion between them and the government. Yeah. Because they're both getting what they want. And you can say they have high ideals or they're trying to protect the country or help the country run. But the, Bottom line is money. Well, yeah. They, and they've justified it somehow. Both entities. The companies would not get away with it if the government it wasn't. wasn't for the government, yep. Some kind of crony capitalism of sorts. I do also do wheat paste too. What's that? Uh, wheat paste. I rarely spray paint directly on into anything at all. If I'm going to spray paint, I usually spray paint on something that's got a sticky back to it or right onto some paper and then kind of cut it out, cut out around it. What are some of the reactions that you've gotten from your artwork? Oh, uh, you know, people rip them down. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of years ago, there was a Superman festival going on in Metropolis, Illinois. And there's quite a few of my, my stickers up around there. And uh, I was walking down the main road and I saw uh, one of my stickers on the back of a stop sign. And so, it's usually people tell me where they are anyway. And, uh, but I, I didn't know that. It kind of surprised me that one was there. And so I, I pulled out my camera and took a picture of it. And while I was taking a picture of it, this guy came up to me and he was like, who do you think did that? Uh, and, and the way he said it was like the most horrible and atrocious human being in the world did that. You know, uh -huh. it's like, oh my gosh, they, you know, that's a that's a stop sign, man. You can't be doing that. Who do you think that did that? I, I kind of shook my head. I was like, man, I don't know, but he must be pretty awesome. <laughs> I didn't know. Maybe he was a cop or something. I don't know. His demeanor completely changed. Then he was like, man, I wish I knew. Cause I think his stickers are really cool because I was in Paducah the other day. I guess the way you described it, I made a couple of really like two foot stickers of this, uh, uh, my wife modeled for it, but it's a, uh, an image of a woman holding a spray bottle with a, a nuclear uh, symbol in the middle of the spray bottle. But she's holding it in a way that's kind of like an advertisement, you know, like it, 
like a product advertisement. The reason I made that sticker was because when I worked at the plant, we used 409 a lot uh -huh. to, to get rid of contamination. So that was okay. kind of a representation. I just for flat out say it's a 409 bottle, but it's like, you know, use this to take away your worries, you know. <laughs> use this on your you know, on your environment, you'll be okay. But anyway, apparently he, he went to Paducah and found a couple of those that were put up and peeled them off. He was apparently peeling them off for, for preservation. He wanted to keep them. There's that. He was curious about the sticker because he wanted to collect them. So did you identify yourself? No. <laughs> but what I did do, I was like, oh, okay. So I reached in my back pocket and handed him one of my stickers. Uh -huh. I had some new radioactive heart stickers on me, so I just handed him one. He's like, oh, thank you. But he never figured out. I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. I have no idea. I went away. <laughs> but at least I know that some of those stickers that were coming down, you know, people were actually interested in collecting. Right. The plan itself, do they know you exist? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've gotten mixed reviews out there. I really don't. <laughs> you know, it's all by rumor. Only a couple of people have actually verbally kind of insulted me, I guess. But, but you know, some people are really into it. They think it's interesting. And it's also kind of talking about their jobs, too. You know, I'm not saying shut down the plant. I'm not saying, you know, let's let's blow it all up. Or, or I'm not saying it's wonderful and full of wild flowers that we can pick and... <laughs> skip through a lot of people out there can relate to it because hey you know i wear those radioactive suits you know i use that chemical to clean myself off i understand what it means to love radiation but at the same time be kind of concerned about it yes yeah, so you recognize it, it can be harnessed into a good thing right? yeah i mean there's nuclear medicine too right yeah, so the state of Tennessee uh, allows, at least to my knowledge at this point, 2017, it's been going on for a few years, they have four sites that they allow companies to dump low-level nuclear waste. And these are like, you know, regular landfills that you take your trash to. So, you know, there's nothing special about them to allow them to hold nuclear materials. Two of those dumps are in Memphis, Tennessee. Out of four dumps, two of them are in Memphis, North and South County landfills. And most of this waste that comes in isn't even generated in the state. So people are just coming to Memphis to dump. The government gets so many cents off how many pounds they dump. And the big kicker is, to, to me, is that the companies are allowed to self-monitor. There's no form of our government or at the state or local level monitoring whether it's really low-level waste or not that they're dumping in there. Let's say all that they do, and they're, let's say that they're being honest and they're dumping low-level waste, when does that become high-level? You know, you keep piling low-level waste on top of you know, low-level waste, and it's going to start getting concentrated. And then you have an issue. You have a, what happens if it floods? What happens if you have an underground fire, which is like what's going on near St. Louis right now at West Lake Landfill? They got a smoldering fire that's been going on there for a very long time. There's like cancer clusters popping up around, and other diseases. Uh, related to uh, exposure to nuclear materials popping up around that area and polluting their environment up there right now. Mm -hmm. 
has been going on for years. Somewhere along our trip to Memphis, Hargrove decided to show me how he displays his work by rushing out of the car to paste up a three-foot-tall piece on a utility box at a busy intersection. Okay, so you're, you're about to go put one on I'm a... I'm gonna flip it over like this. All right. I see a cop come by. I'm obviously not gonna stick it, but I'm not too worried about people. Usually they don't wanna see this stuff happening anyway. Here we go. Good luck. How'd it go? Uh, as far as I know, well, I think if there's a one a little wrinkle on it I don't like. But I don't want to spend all that time out there trying to fix it. Do you ever feel like like everybody's watching you when you do it? Uh, <laughs> they are. I heard, <laughs> I heard some people. I couldn't really make out exactly what they were saying, but they were watching me talking yeah. as they were stopped. I had a record shop and I would let some artists hang their stuff up and uh, some of it, you know, of course it ranged from not too great to really great, but one of the better artists I remember having, a lot of people made the same comments, as, I really like that, but I can't see that in my living room. Yeah. Uh, so maybe most people have paintings of maybe a Van Gogh print or you know, maybe right, so uh, some people make things designed to go into people's houses. Right. You know, I, most of my art comes from a sense that it's going to it, it belongs, I guess, more on the on the street. You know, I, I, like I said, I make stickers, but I also do big collage works uh, on canvas. I also do metal sculpting. But um, my biggest thing right now is has been for quite a few years now is are making the the stickers on vinyl. And of course, there's shapes like the vinyl, the hearts with the radioactive symbol on it. Like the one I just, just did was a, my wife modeled for that. So it's a woman in a respirator, and she's starting to remove her uh, her chemical suit. Of course, it shows her her breasts kind of sticking out, and uh, you know it sexualizes it in a way. But at the same time, you know she's wearing heels and all that. But it, I think it might lead people to kind of wonder why. Why is she wearing heels? What's being, you know, what's being protected there? Why is she removing her suit? Is it okay to go out in the world? Mm -hmm. But she's still wearing one glove. But it's this sense of normalcy. What would this new world that we live in after, you know, it's been polluted with so much toxic chemicals that we can't go on, or that our lifespans are shortened, or somehow where our bodies adapt to our environments and her skins like this red color you know what was she before you know or was she born that way uh, what does she need to protect on her body in this new environment so my question for you is you've sold some stuff like that yeah do you know where it's going like where are people displaying it oh uh, the stickers I, I think most people are putting them on like toolboxes or oh, okay <laughs> you know they're sticking them on things around their house or in in their environments the paintings and stuff that I do, you know, people are hanging them up in their homes. You know, some people do want that stuff in their house. You know, some people specifically collect street art type things. You know, I collect art too, and I got my own. You know, I like my art, but <laughs> I also have kind of specific kind of prints that I like to collect. You know, so a Van Gogh print isn't for everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, an M.C. Escher print ain't for everybody, but 
that appeals to certain people. If you'd like to check out Mr. Hargrove's work and you don't feel like driving around the Middle South, you can also go to his website, which is at www.jasonhargroveart.com. That's jasonhargroveart.com. In the Corner, Back by the Woodpile podcast is produced by a closet, a pocket, and a suitcase. You can email us at spuncounterguy at hotmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram using the name spuncounterguy. Be sure to download the new Podbean app to hear this podcast and others on your tablet and smartphone. And we are now on iTunes. Just do a search for Back by the Woodpile on the iTunes store and we should pop up. And a special thanks to thebrofisticate.com. Thank you.